Hello, this is Judy Barkoviak from NLP and EFT family. I specialize in working with children and teens and mums and dads. And I've written a number of books. Um, I would say that the most recent is Empower Your Kids, a coaching guide for parents. And then in November, um, Understanding Children and Teens, a practical guide for parents, teachers, and coaches. I also have a series of workbooks called Engaging NLP for children, tweens, teens, new mums, parents, teachers, and so on. Um, and then there's an NLP workbook, which is sort of not specifically for parents, and a self-esteem workbook, and be a happier parent for with um, NLP. So, gosh, I've written quite a few books. Um, in fact, my kids say, what, another book? Um, but, yes, I just can't stop. <laughs> so, in this episode, I want to talk to you about NLP modelling. It goes to the heart of NLP, really. Um, it's the process by which we can acquire new skills. Now, the reason why this is so important is because children and teens um, naturally compare themselves with others. And they sort of look around the class or she or he is better at maths, she or he is better at English or I wish I was as confident um, as such and such a person. Um, so they compare themselves and let's face it, mums and dads do too. Oh, you know, so-and-so is such a good mum, she does this, that and the other. Oh, so-and-so is such a good dad, you know, he does this, that and the other. And we find as, so comparing is a sort of natural thing. What modeling does, it sort of turns this on its head and says, actually, instead of comparing ourselves um, with somebody else and thinking, oh, I wish I was like them, what it says is you can be like them. Um, you actually can extract that thing that you notice um, extract the skill, the belief, and so on, and actually have it for yourself. It also says that if we notice some skill, some quality, something in somebody else that we much admire or are inspired by, the reason that we do so is because actually there's a part of us that is like that. So we can model that thing in us and where we have it in ourselves. And children find this amazing. So when I have a session, say, with a child who is maybe, you know, very critical of, self-critical of their sort of social skills, says, oh, I find it difficult to make a friend or often stand on my own in the playground. I don't really know sort of how to, you know, start a conversation and things like that. Once we get talking about, for example, how they play a sport and they realize that when they play a sport, they're looking out for who to pass to, they get eye contact, they communicate to them, I'm going to pass to you, and um, they then run ahead, so you know, pass to me, pass to me. Um, it's a shame really this is a podcast because you can't see me getting all very excited about people passing to each other, but actually that's how conversation happens. And when they realize that they do have the skill to communicate, they do have those skills, it actually gives gives them a huge boost 
because there's so much in the I can't zone that when they realize actually I can, it's just that I do it in this part of my life rather than that part of my life, then they're, they're, they're away um, and they can totally, totally get it. So modeling then is um, the process by which we can acquire new skills. It's based on the understanding that if we find somebody who has the skill we want, then by copying its structure, that's the one, two, three bit of it, and the underlying belief, i.e. what they believe about being able to do that thing, we can have it for ourselves. It's a really powerful technique, it, and it enables us to incorporate into ourselves other people's skills and gifts. And the excellence that we model is something we think someone can do better than we can, but actually we have our own excellence. We have skills, as I said, that we use in another part of our life that we can transfer to where we need them. So I'm going to share a few quotes with you. Um, so the first one is from uh, my hero, my inspiration, Sue Knight, um, who trained me. Um, and she says, when we step into someone else's shoes and reproduce what they do and the results they achieve, we are modeling from Sue Knight. Jeremy Lazarus, who uh, trained me in NLP for sports, because I'm very sporty, as many of you will know. He says, in modeling, we elicit the strategies, beliefs, values, and fundamental filters, and the physiology that allows someone to produce certain behavior. Then we codify these in a series of steps designed to make the behavior easy to reproduce. So the purpose of modeling is to identify these steps and the belief. Um, so imagine, for example, um, I'm a writer, and so I'm giving you a writing example here. Um, so imagine you were someone who procrastinated when you have a writing assignment to complete. And that could be a blog post, an Instagram post. It could be an email you need to write to somebody. It could be um, some sort of form of communication, a report, a presentation. So something that you need to complete by a certain deadline. So in order to meet this deadline, you need to learn from someone who can focus and get that job done. So first, you need to find a few people who can do this really well. You maybe observe them, work out how they do it. What, is do, what do they do first? What do they do next? And so on. Notice what you see, hear, and the actions that you witness. So then if you were to go away and copy this structure, you may improve your result, but you won't get the same result as them because your thinking is different. And how do we know that your thinking is different? It's because we procrastinate and they do not. They get We get distracted. I certainly find myself distracted with social media quite often, um, but they don't and they meet their deadline. So we need to find out what's the difference that makes the difference. What's the thinking that they have that, that gets the result that, they, um, that we need and that they get on a regular basis. 
Um, so one of the ways that we can do that is to find out what is their thinking. So we might ask them, what's important to you about getting things done? And then go through go through the structure with that in mind. What's the belief? Try that out for size. Does that make a difference? Um, and you can also think about your own life. Is there an area of your life where, in fact, you don't procrastinate and that you do get things done? And um, because we don't behave the same way in all situations. Um, in fact, um, from a deadline point of view, the shorter the deadline I have, actually, the more likely I am to be focused. When I'm given like a sort of, you know, a month to write something, I tend to wait until the day before, really, and write it, um, which is quite shocking, really, embarrassed to admit. But yes, a deadline really motivates me. If somebody says, oh, well, whenever, then, you know, they probably won't get it. Um, so look for where you have that skill, look where, where you have that belief and take that belief. You can actually anchor that belief. You can really use it as an affirmation. You can use it as a, an NLP anchor. So it's really important to get that belief and map it across. And particularly with, with kids, um, they do have that belief. Believe that they do have the belief and that they can they can use it where they need to. Um, one of the important things when you're trying to find to you know trying to know who to model, who would be a good person to sort of copy, because that's what modeling is to sort of copy, is to actually find somebody who may have struggled with that thing. I mean, they often say, don't they, that teachers who perhaps have struggled with a subject are actually better at teaching that subject than somebody who's perhaps always found sort of maths easy um, because they don't really understand what your problem is. Whereas somebody who's actually gone through the problems and had to overcome them for themselves, when a child sort of asks that teacher, they'll say, oh yeah, I had that problem once, or they'll know what that feels like and perhaps what the sort of error or what the sort of, you know, the false maybe move was in the in the process of, of that particular calculation or problem or whatever. So we need to um, get to the heart of what the belief is. Um, so um, let me give you an example um, from my own life, actually. It's an example I put in the Be a Happier Parent with NLP book, which was written a few years ago when I used to play hockey competitively. Um, I used to play for Ivor Heath, um, and um, I used to play uh, left-back, don't even think that position exists anymore. Um, but my job was really to protect the, the goal area. And so I'd have people running at me with the ball, really dead keen to score a goal. And it was my job to go up and, and tackle them. And um, I used to, to do that fairly, fairly successfully, but I thought I could improve. And so there was um, another player, Rachel, who actually her, is a teacher. And um, I asked her to show me how she tackled. And so um, I watched her uh, so that she knew I was specifically watching her. So she was aware of the, the steps, you know, one, two, three, I do this, I do that, I put my shoulder like this, I lean in, etc., etc. So I, I had a go at doing that. And um, actually, it, it did help. 
but it wasn't the difference that makes the difference. So I asked her, what's your belief in that moment that you go up to uh, tackle? And she said, well, I'm determined, you know, I'm going to get that, that ball. So I tried that, that sort of, you know, helped a bit, but it still didn't really work. And then I had a bit of a sort of brainwave. I said, well, whose ball is it? And she said, it's my ball and I want it back. Now, what a powerful belief that was, because my belief was that it's their ball. And being the nice sort of person I am, you know, it didn't really sit comfortably with me to take their ball off them. That felt like this is not quite the right thing to do. So my belief wasn't working, was it? Because I was just letting them score a goal and, you know. Um, So I needed Rachel's belief. And Rachel's belief was, it's my ball and I want it back. And that's what I mean about getting the belief. It's the belief that makes the difference. It's the difference that makes the difference. And it's um, I can give you another um, example uh, again from my own life. Uh, my dad had a stroke. I mean, he's passed now, passed a few years ago. But um, he had a stroke and he was... Uh, initially very depressed by the thoughts because the week before he'd had his stroke he was playing golf um, you know once or twice a week Um, and so he was quite active for a man in his um, 90s he was and um, he was very depressed and uh, he and I asked him what he wanted what you know what's um, you know what do you you know looking at compelling outcomes what would you what do you want he said I want to walk again I mean he was sort of at that point sort of slightly dribbling out of the side of his mouth and slurring and he couldn't move really any of his limbs um, although he could as I said talk and it seemed like wow that's a huge goal you know it sounds like a bit ambitious so I suggested to him that maybe he found somebody could he think of anybody amongst his friends who had had a stroke and had been able to walk um, eventually so actually we were very lucky because um, my parents neighbor um, next door neighbor had had in fact had a stroke and so I asked him if he could um, write to my dad and talk to him about what his sort of strategy was. I didn't really put it in NLP terms. I just sort of said, I'd be really nice to hear, you know, how, the sort of the story of your sort of journey to recovery. And he said that what he did was um, he started really small by just wanting to be able to move like one finger and just raise one finger off the um, bed clothes. Um, And then, you know, the second finger and then the third finger and then, you know, the other hand. And so he, he, he was taking very, very what we call in NLP small chunk goals and just doing one thing at a time and 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 doing that and really celebrating these little achievements um and so i read out the letter to my dad and he found that really helpful to to have that model of success from somebody you know like himself a bit younger than himself who had really um done the journey um already 
Um, and so there's a, a couple of examples, one from the area of sports, one from the area of, of health. And one of the things I do with um, parents, um, because obviously this is really the focus here, is on parents. Um, the the modelling um, chapter that I'm talking uh, about really is in most of my books. Um, but the uh, sort of health, if you want health and sports or relationship type examples, uh, my book um, Secrets of the NLP Masters is probably quite a good one to get. But parents really want to um, to know as well about modelling. How do they get their child to listen to them, to do what they're told? And of course, they do already have that model. I remember one uh, one mum, quite short, um, and she was telling me about her strapping teenage boys. Um, who basically weren't doing what they were told. So I asked her about where, you know, explained to her about modelling. I said, you know, believe that you have that model of being heard, being respected, being, you know, uh, things being done that you, that you ask to be done. And she said, well, nobody questions me at work. And so there she was at work. She was like head of a huge sort of sales team um, all across, I think, the south of the country. And, you know, 99% of them were, were guys. And she said they wouldn't dream of questioning. Um, and they just would do what she asked them to do. So I said, well, what's your belief when you're telling, asking them to do something. And she said, well, I believe that I will be heard, believe that, you know, I know what I'm talking about, they respect me, and they'll do what they're told, and they do. And I said, okay, what's the belief you have when you ask your kids to do something? And she said, well, I just know they won't. So I said, what would it be like to actually, um, well, first of all, I asked her actually to, um, sort of do like a bit of a, a psychodrama and sort of like sort of to show me how she talked to her um these these salespeople and so she sort of pushed herself up sort of tall and she sort of projected and her voice came from a lower place like sort of in her tummy really um and it was slower slow and it was quite well quite authoritative I definitely would have done what she said and I don't do what most people say. Um, so I thought, oh, wow, she's definitely got, you know, the voice. So I then got her to break state, which means do a little bit of the jiggle and sort of you know, change now to, okay, her mum voice. I said, okay, so, you know, I'm one of your um, boys, you know, and you want me to, I don't know, lay the table or put my clothes away or something. And she said what she said, like, put your clothes away or can you just put your clothes away? She was looking down. She was a bit fidgety. Her voice came from, like, near her throat area. Um, and it definitely didn't sound like, you know, she really meant what she was saying or that she was really that bothered, to be honest. So I fed back to her the difference. And then I asked her to to now speak to me in her work voice. And so she did, and it was like, whoa, okay, I better do that. And she realized that the moment she walked through the door, she was mum. And so she put on her mum voice. 
But then at work, she had her work voice. But actually, she had access to both voices. And she had access to that belief that I know what I'm talking about. And I want you to do this thing. I'm not expecting any sort of, you know, argument about it. So I think um, many of you listening to this will be thinking, um, yes, I think I have a work voice too. Um, and yes, I'm sure we all do. Um, so modeling, it's really that belief that we have somewhere in our repertoire. We have the belief, the skill, the qualities that we need for whatever we want to do. And instead of seeing those around us as like better than us, you know, cleverer than us, smarter than us, uh, better parents, better this, better that, better tennis players. Instead of that, be curious. What is it that they're doing? How can you do that too? And then fundamentally, what's the belief that they have about doing that thing? Ask them, you know, just before you serve, what's in your head or just before you do this or as you do this you know what's in your head get that belief and apply it okay good luck let me know how it goes okay bye then